Welcome to the PEBC Podcast. My name is Michelle Jones, and I am the host of our series on phenomenal teaching. This series is a collection of conversations with authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers whose work connects with the PEBC teaching framework. In each episode, we will explore how the strands of planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment all cultivate student agency, equity, and understanding across the curriculum and grade levels. Thank you so much for listening in. It's with a happy heart that I welcome three PEBC lab hosts to the Phenomenal Teaching Podcast. Carrie Halbash, Patrick Allen, and Jen Bronner are joining us to unpack the possibilities and pitfalls of virtual learning. As classroom teachers, their instruction exemplifies the strands of the PEBC teaching framework planning for understanding and agency, cultivating communities that promote thinking and care, workshops that privilege students' engagement in rich tasks, thinking strategies that foster deeper understanding of text and content, discourse that leads to rich language development, and assessment that informs. This year, each of these teachers has found themselves navigating the tricky waters of virtual learning and have graciously agreed to share their journeys with us. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. It's so exciting to see all of you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, let's start off with some introductions. Uh, let's. I'm going to ask each of you to share with our listeners who you are, uh, what your teaching context looked like last year, and what is your current teaching role. And we'll go ahead and start with Carrie, and then we'll hear from Patrick, and finally, Jen. So Carrie, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for asking me to be a part of this. Um, currently, I well, I am a teacher in Jefferson County Public Schools, and I teach at Little Elementary in Arvada. And last year was my first year of teaching kindergarten. It's my 30th year of teaching, and it was first year of ever teaching kindergarten, which is frightening, but um, ended up being very um, surprisingly became a passion and a joy. And I am now teaching virtually for this school year kindergarten. I have 22 kindergartners and we'll be doing this for the 2021 school year. Thank you, Carrie. How about you, Patrick? Hi, my name's Patrick Allen. I am in my 35th year of teaching and I um, have been teaching fifth grade for the last four years. And this year I decided to move down to second. And um, uh, not only did I move down to second again, I volunteered to be an e-learning teacher from home. Um, kind of at the last minute, I had set up my classroom and then I talked to my principal because they needed another volunteer. And so I took my classroom back down and put it in boxes and moved home. Uh, and it, it, it's quite fun. I, I have kids from my feeder area. They're not from my school, but they are from... Uh, uh, our feeder area. And, um, I have 25 of them right now. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting and intriguing and challenging way to spend a day. Thank you, Patrick. How about you, Jen? Um, it's such an honor to be here. Thanks for asking. Um, the last year I was teaching, um, seventh grade language arts. And then I was also teaching sixth grade and I teach in Boulder Valley school district, all of our sixth graders get two literacy blocks. So we do a, an LA writing focus block, and then we do a reading block separate. So I taught all three of those preps last year. And um, this year I am teaching only sixth grade and just reading. And uh, probably the biggest shift for, of anything from last year to this year is that um, we're on three-week rotations. So essentially I've moved from trimesters to a unit every three weeks. So that's been a big shift for us this year, trying to see kids more frequently for longer blocks of time. Great, Jen, thank you so much. Well, as our listeners, I'm sure are already tuning in are thinking, okay, we have a lot of different voices on the podcast today. And so this is really going to be a roundtable discussion. We are going to unpack what are some of the, like, I want to say like the successes or the promising possibilities What's going well and why? And we're going to start there. And then we're going to dive into some of those challenges or some of those pitfalls. And then we'll probably wrap up our conversation with a little bit of collaborative problem solving. Because one thing that I have heard from lots of listeners is that 
teachers and leaders love hearing about what's happening in other teachers' virtual classrooms. So let's just dive in. Patrick, do you want to start us off? What's a success or kind of one of those promising possibilities that you've kind of unpacked in this journey? Well, when I first started doing this, I started thinking about what would work best. I, I started thinking about um, Debbie Miller's book, you know, what's the best that could happen? Because I, I felt like um, last year went pretty well towards the end of the year when we went virtual. So what could I do this year that would make that set success continue? So I started thinking about, okay, what are the rituals and routines that I set up in my classroom? What are the things that I do on a daily basis that I could bring to this format? So I thought about things like the workshop structure, you know, that works really well in a classroom. So why not bring that virtually? Um, I started thinking about um, that idea of building relationships and, um, that's kind of twofold because it's more, um, it happens more slowly, but it's going really well. I've gotten to know some of my kiddos really well and uh, some of them I'm still learning about. So I, I think the success comes from taking, you know, what do I know that's good pedagogy and how can I bring that to, to the kids that I'm working with on a daily basis right now? I think that's my greatest success. I think that's, for me, the the learning that I'm doing is like, what works best? How can I make that work here? Wow, thank you. So Jen, Carrie, do you, which of you would like to, to add on to that? I, I'd like to add on to that because when I was exploring the thinking about this at the in the summertime um, and talking with my principal because mine was going to be for a medical reason and so it really scared me and I it, I wasn't excited about it because with kindergartners how do you start kindergarten online and how do I teach them to read um, over a computer and so um the one thing that I finally came down to is I asked her, I said, I will do this if I can stay true to who I am as a teacher and what I believe. I have a passion and a joy for the what I do. And I believe it in so strongly that if you will let me just go with it and figure it out, if it doesn't work, I will find a way, but I have to stay true to what I believe. And um, she promised me. And so once I got that, then I became excited. Then I was like, I'm all in. I'm not looking for another job. You know, it was <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not going to retire early. Um, and I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to prove that you could do a workshop model virtually. And that you can teach kindergartners to love learning and be engaged and um, talk talk through their thinking and their understanding virtually. And so it became, it's, it's like my mission. It's my challenge. It's what it's pushing me every day. Wow. Carrie, thank you. Well, Jen, I saw you nodding. What are you thinking? What are some of your successes or what's really resonating for you? Yes. Well, I was also resonating in all the choices of what could I be doing instead of online teaching, but uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it is, it has been quite a challenging year. I mean, I'll be really honest. There have been successes for sure. And I think it goes back to exactly as both Carrie and um, Patrick were saying, you know, what are those rituals and routines and how do I make it really predictable and, and, and probably even like predictable on steroids, I would say, um, you know, middle schoolers are changing. I teach sixth grade, so they've never changed classes before. Um, my students have had an online platform to learn in Schoology. They've never had Gmail before. You know, there's so many ways that they've had to just like come on board to online learning. And just so people know, I've been online from the beginning of the school year and tomorrow I actually switched to hybrid. So at this point, I can talk about what I've been doing as a full online teacher. And, um, you know, I immediately created that choice reading routine, and um, my colleagues and I all just said, "No, we're we're going to start we're going to start class reading together, right? Like that's not going to change." And so we start reading, and we've just done tons and tons and tons of book talks. So set up the routine each day where kids come in. We do a quick get to know you warm up. Just I I also decided that I needed to start with something really fun as a get to know you this year. So the first five to seven minutes of class has been like a 
would you rather game or uh, uh, two truths and a lie. And then I do a random will spinner and kids, three to five kids go a day, depending on how fast our technology is working, <laughs> you know, so that kids want to be there for the first five minutes of class. We're just playing and we're still getting to know each other. So we're kind of having like a triple bang for our buck with that. Um, then we go right into choice reading and we read for 15 minutes in my normal class. It was 10, it's 15 here. I have a little bit more time, but also I needed that time to be able to even talk to just two kids during conferences because it's a big one-on-one -on -one conferring time for me. So just technology didn't lend itself for a while <laughs> till we got up and running. Um, and that routine's just been super predictable and really great. And at the end of that, every day, two kids have to share what they read and what it got them thinking about. Um, and so like just that opening routine uh, just grounded all of us and it took me a little bit to get it going, but I kept sticking with it. And I would say that's been just a really important success. And then we go into kind of our unit, well, not kind of, then we go into our more unit work. So we, I divide it up into two phases, right? And then there's sometimes there's just some businessy stuff. So it gets a little funky, but that opening is pretty solid. And that's been a really great success. I wouldn't say everything else has been fully solid, but I'm still trying to figure out the three week rotation of things. Um, and then, and then just talk, um, you know, talk has always been huge in my classroom. And so one of my mantras has been that every day a kid will talk to me or someone else in the class, like no matter what, like they have to be known, they have to be seen. Um, we have to break this isolation of the screen. And, uh, last year when we switched, I don't know if it was the shock of switching or kids had just kind of moved through, but it was like crickets online so much, like painful, even, and this was for kids who talked a lot in my class already. Um, and I just didn't want that to happen again because it's so isolating on the screen. And so every day they're either in reading groups or they're talking to me one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and I just keep track of that. Like I always kept track in my binder of who I've talked to and who I've had a conference with. And I just make sure I'm going through the routine I keep track of which reading groups I pop into every day and just listen to their discussion. And ha they have a very clear format of just when you get into your talk, what surprised you about what you read today? What do you wonder about what you read? <laughs> you know, what do you predict is going to happen next? Uh, and then usually there's a thematic question that might wrap up into what we're doing. And so I try to keep that routine really predictable for them too. So it just so much goes back to routines, um, right. but it has to be on steroids this year. Like it's never been. <laughs> Jen, I so appreciate that. And I really appreciate how you walked us through that opening routine and really gave us a glimpse into that virtual learning space of yours and your students. Carrie and Patrick, I'd love to hear a little bit more from each of you about what does it look like? What does it look like and feel like to be a learner in your virtual classroom, perhaps in one of your, you know, in one of your workshops or perhaps a routine or, you know, some something like that, that your students are engaged in on that kind of regular basis? Because it sounds like for everyone, routine has been critical, uh, the uh, structure of workshop and et cetera. Go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, I think it, I think it is. I mean, I was thinking about this um, recently. And if, if we truly think that learning is a lifelong process, that's kind of where we are right now. We're, we're learning um, just another step in that process of this thing we call learning, right? And so as teachers, what we've had to do is um, think about, okay, what can we do that's best for them and keep this full and rich and meaningful so that they feel like they're a part of a classroom, even though this may not have been their choice. You know, in some schools, uh, you know, in my situation, it, it was parental choice that put them with me. So one of the things that I wanted to do was to make sure that I really um, built relationships. So I've, I've taught them little things like look at the camera, you know, and, and, and that's such a little thing, but I've really had to to work on that too and not be distracted by my phone and not be distracted by the dogs. And, and when it's somebody is talking, really just looking, I, I said, those are your, those are your eyes. That's where, where you have to meet that person. So 
you know, it's just like teaching them to, to have a conversation with each other in the classroom, but it looks so different. I start every morning out with a, a good morning. I just, that's how I do attendance. I go down the list. It takes some time, but what it's doing is it's helping them um, know that I have to focus during this time. I have to listen to what my, my um, classmates are doing. Where are they right now? And they have that opportunity to pass. So that's that's how I start out my day. And then I just start with Reader's Workshop. And, um, you know, I'm talking about the thinking strategies right now. We're doing a study of schema. And it's interesting because I, I know that at my own school, a lot of the kids come with that, that, um, that background knowledge of thinking. A lot of these kids, it, it's so new for them, especially considering they missed three months. They didn't miss three months, but they, they had a three month kind of lag of figuring things out at the end of the year last year. So they're coming in with this, um, uh, just a, a different focus and a different attitude and trying to figure it out. So, you know, I just do a, a normal crafting lesson and we, we talk and I have a chart and I just bought a really cool document camera that plugs into my computer that when I plug it in, it takes me away and it shows the kids the text, which I love. So I've just been trying to, uh, to do that. And then I send them off to work. Now I, I am not as, um, proficient at meeting with small groups and and conferring which is really interesting right uh jen as as you are because i'm i'm sending kids off to work because i what i want to do with little guys is eliminate some of that that screen time so i've done things like i mean the hard part is that there's nothing tangible that you're putting into their hands or that you're you're giving them access to i mean my my books are packed in boxes right? So I have to think about, okay, how can I get them into text? You know, parents are doing a really good job as coaches, um, um, putting books in their hands, but I've created a padlet of, um, uh, of books. I didn't actually, um, create it. My friend Claire created it and I lovingly borrowed it, but it's a virtual book room. So I have a virtual book room, you know, they're using other, waste access print. So they go off and work and then they come back and we talk about how did it go? You know, just like you would in, in a, um, your, your day to day in person classroom. Then we, I just do the same thing with math and I do the same thing with writing and with science. And it's just about giving them that time, um, to go and be, um, I think that the interesting thing is, and, and I think you mentioned this Carrie is that the the, the coaches are sitting side by side the, them listening. And it's, I've had to do a lot of, um, okay, why don't you answer that question for me, Carrie? And, and I don't want you to look at the person next to you. I want you to look at the camera and answer that question. I think that's a really interesting thing because we're used to letting kids grapple and have a little bit of struggle and just that, that kind of, ah, and that wait time their their coaches aren't necessarily used to that that empty space so that that's been an interesting thing to do as well so i guess that's that's my answer i'm just trying to incorporate the best of what i know and um i think these kids deserve it and um yeah when, so when, when go ahead yeah carrie let's say gary add well, on to that what are you thinking well you know one of the things that I think scared me the most is that I, and I didn't say this in my beginning, but I have two schools. I have Little, and then um, we came together as a Pomona area. So I have Weber also. And being a kindergarten teacher, I had a virtual back to school night. And the Weber parents had literally found out that morning that they wouldn't have a teacher from their school. Hmm. And they weren't happy. And it was intense. And I just finally said, I was like, all right, look, I said, I know I'm a dinosaur teacher, but I might not be the best with technology. I said, but I can tell you what, I know how to teach. And I just need you to give me a chance and you will see it's going to be okay. I'm going to make this because they're worried also about kindergarten. Their baby, it's like a monumental thing. It's their first big school experience. And so um, really trying to think about how to do that. And so we start out our mornings um, 
with our good morning song Mm -hmm. and we sing together and it's playing. And, you know, I, I don't, I know I'm like parents probably think I'm the cheesiest person in the world, but you know, we're telling each other you were doing the hearts and sending it to each other. And then after we do the song, um, what Patrick was talking about with that whole, well, both Patrick and Jim with that conversation and that talk, um, with kindergartners, what I found is that they didn't even know how to sit, you know, and, and when I'm trying to do it virtually and I'm like, okay, so we talked about, we built, what does kind listening look like? Mm-hmm. And, and we, we, we charted it. And then I, I put that chart and I typed it up and put graphics on it and sent it to the parents so they could put it on the wall. And then um, we talked about what does it, how does it feel when somebody is listening to you? And they're like, well, it feels good. And how can you tell? So we talked about that. And then, um, Patrick, I love how you call the parents coaches. I've been calling them team teachers. And so my, because they're doing so much work with kinders. Um, so my team teachers, I got some that I saw that were really comfortable. I have several that are, are stay-at-home moms that were teachers and have that background. And so I'm like, okay, I need parent volunteers. And so I got parent volunteers and we send out and I started them out in breakout rooms and I sent them out and we worked on greeting each other. And I would give them a daily question of what they could share. So they were to introduce themselves and then they were to talk about what they wanted to share for that question. And maybe it was what's your um, favorite flavor ice cream. And then they would tell that and then they would have to call on somebody. And then it's now to where the parent volunteers are not having to do it anymore. I send them out into their breakout rooms and you have the little teacher in every group that's going to just take control and we'll start. And I just jump into breakout rooms. I just pop in and see how it's going. And it's absolutely hysterical to listen to them um, talking and, and Aiden, what do you think now? Mm. What are your thoughts on this? (laughs) And it's just, it's fun. Um, But so we really worked on that in our morning routine, spending a lot of time of just building what Patrick was talking about, how to have a conversation, how to be a kind listener, um, and I know it's working because as they're getting on now in the morning, they love to get on early. So I'm on 10 minutes early every morning because it's a big thing for them. And when they come on, they automatically will say good morning to whomever they see. How are you doing this morning? Um, did you do something special last night? I'm hearing all of these things now and I'm like, it's, it's working. Um, so it's been time intensive. I mean, that was a good 30 minutes of our morning, but it's built community and it's really helped them like have relationships with one another, um, which I was really worried about them not having. Um, and then I go into math workshop from there. Um, I give them 10 minute breaks in between. Um, I leave the Zoom on the entire workshop but they do, I do explorations. We have our, our learning target is always a guiding question. And um, we do a little mini focus lesson crafting and then they go off. And in math, I'm using things in their house. Like, you know, we're working on counting. Okay, well, how many doors do you have? And then how many windows do you have? And how can we record that? And how can you um, compare? And then when they're off and working, I leave Zoom on and they know that I'm available to talk math or talk reading or anything like that if I'm not in a breakout room doing a small group. And they'll come over and talk with me, but parents also will talk with me if they're struggling with getting their kiddo to learn because there was some pushback with the little ones of like, well, you're not my teacher. (laughs) I want to play right now. Or I saw so-and-so on the TV right there because they're not in class right now. Well, I want to go watch TV. So um, parents, you use me during that time and the kids as well. And we have conversations and then we come back together for a sharing. So I'm very structured with time so that parents know when to have the kids ready. I use music still as my signal. They'll hear the music playing and they'll start cleaning up and all of a sudden popping back in front of the camera and ready to go. 
Wow. So as I'm listening to all three of you talk about your successes, and I'm thinking about this first eight or nine weeks of school, I literally feel like I'm sitting in your classrooms last year, and it's one of our very first lab visits, and I'm bringing you know, 10 or 12 teachers to see you, and you've just unpacked the ways in which you've set up rituals and routines and relationships for students. And I feel like it's always about this time in the year when we start to shift a little bit and things start to go a little bit deeper and tasks seem to get a little bit richer and the kind of systems and structures of classrooms are in some ways up and running. And so there's always that little bit of a point where it is a little bit of a challenge, right? We moving from that beginning of the year setting up the classroom energy into a different kind of phase of teaching. Now, considering this is the first time that you've all done remote, especially for an entire year, and we know, Jen, you're even stepping into some tricky waters with hybrid, which you've never done before. What are you thinking now that might be the same or might be different than what you would be thinking about mid-October of last year or the year before? Hmm. What are some of those challenges or, or questions you have? My biggest challenge is being by myself because I'm a social person. Um, you know, I know it's different now. I talk to my wife, who is also a teacher, um, who uh, is in full time, who eats lunch in her room and doesn't, you know, there's no socialization, but I really miss that, um, that, that being able to talk to a colleague other than on a telephone call or a meeting like this. Cause for me, I'm such a social being that's been really hard. I joke that I have Wilson, the volleyball sitting on my table as I'm working every day <laughs> because, um, you know, I just hope he doesn't fall off the table and get, uh, the dog gets a hold of him. But I, I think that, I think that's the hardest part for me. And I think that's why these podcasts are so important, Michelle, because they can bring people together so that you don't know, so that you know that you're not um, in this alone. And I think that for me, honestly, is the hardest part of all of this. When I sit down to plan, um, I'm, you know, I have my second grade team and I have my, my, my good friend that, that uh, is also teaching second grade for my school, but it's not the same as sitting across a table and saying, so what are you thinking about right now? So for me, that's the hardest adjustment is being um, by myself. I mean, I have, I have this conversation. One of the things that I do when I'm not um, with kids is I do a lot of talking to people because I, I crave that. Um, mm just about, okay, I need, I need some help here. I just need to hear um, how it's going for you. So. Thank you, Patrick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just so honest. And I think that a lot of teachers are really, really strong collaborators and do really appreciate that time for collegiality and those relationships. And just that burnt bag of microwave popcorn at the end of the day is sometimes so much fun. And I really appreciate you highlighting that aspect as well as some of the other areas I'm sure we're going to talk about. Jen, how about for you? What's a, a challenge or a question yeah, that you're grappling with? a couple, you know, some are in my control and some are not. And so it's been a lot of like really trying to name a lot this year of what's in my control, what's not. Um, uh, I don't have any LST support, <clears throat> learning specialist support in the classroom this year. And uh, that's been really challenging just to navigate the, uh, everything got tracked through math. So for our cohorts, so our tracking, uh, is very, very homogeneous and I'm teaching the majority of the sixth grade math classes, not the seven, eight or the eighth compacted. Um, and so I have a pretty high load and sweet, wonderful kids. And, um, I think coupled that with, um, I, I also have my own child who is a neurally challenged learner. Um, learning doesn't come quite easy to his brain. So I sit at home and uh, behind me is my own kid on an IEP who is just, just dying from the online switching, you know, of things going here and there and too busy and overwhelmed and then just stops 
pretty much listens to an audiobook all day long. <laughs> and then those same kids I'm trying to teach. So uh, just really trying to keep engagement. Like, well, how do I, how do I make you not make you, how do I invite you in to want to read um, and think and talk? And that's really what we're doing. You know, read, think and talk, read, think and talk. And um, being that I'm not teaching the language arts, I'm not heavily responsible for the LA standards. And so I'm really leveraging those uh, oral expression, speaking and listening standards for just a lot of fun. I did run my first Socratic seminar. Uh, I had to just step back as the observer and be like, okay, everybody said at least one word, right? I was like, nobody built on anybody's idea, but we, you know, round one, we, we did it. We, we two feeted, <laughs> you know, uh, I, um, and we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep going and having rich conversations about things that are meaningful from our books. Uh, we started our, I think the other challenge is three week units, you know, just, I'm not going to carry kids over three weeks later that they have to come back and try to remember what we were doing three weeks ago. I'm just not going to do that. Um, so I'm trying to build things in really small chunks. And I have a, I have a background before I was teaching um, in Boulder public schools where I was teaching with expeditionary learning. And so a tremendous amount of my background is really deep investigations. Um, really content rich, uh, language arts, deep investigations. And, um, I've let go of some of that because I can't quite go there. I'm a little more thematic than I normally would teach. And so that's been a letting go process for me to be able to do that. And I'm not beating myself up about it, but it's a process. <laughs> so, you know, it's, 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 it's trying to meet the needs of the schedule that I've been given, the tracking that I've been given, um, and building up some um, confidence in these kids who are feeling pretty rocked from school already, but then add on all the newness of sixth grade and then add that on to being online. So I will be... Uh, really grateful to start seeing half these kids two days at a time. I'm anxious about it. I'll be honest, but I'm also excited to be able to start to just um, know them besides more than their profile picture. I actually think they all need to like, <laughs> cut out their profile picture and like glue it to their chest tomorrow when they show up. I've joked with them about it. Like just put your, I, I know, you know, Oh, you do rock rugby with the wallabies. I know who you are, you know? Uh, but like, I need to see your face too. So <laughs> and that profile <laughs> picture connected. Um, so, and I would say the last challenge for me is because a lot of these kids need some explicit literacy support, like not, I mean, I, I've got the comprehension level piece, but some of these kids aren't even accessing comprehension. And so I would do some more side-by-side -side work with them with scooping and phrasing and things like that. I don't, I'm not, you know, that's kind of what we do at the middle level. And I don't even, like, I'm lost at how to do that right now online. So <laughs> I did set up a conference table in my classroom in my physical space where it's just, you know, we're three feet apart, but I could sit at a table with a kid. I, I, I can't quite, that's as far as I got in the vision. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I created a physical space for it to happen. Uh, I know we're going to have text in front of us and I trust that the conversation is going to go there, but I, I just, it's, uh, that, that's probably the other thing that's sticking in my craw a little bit of like, how do I, how do I really help with some of the more foundational literacy supports that some of these kids need? And I don't have my LST co-teacher in my class to help me with some of that, that I've had, um, my, you know, there's the, the collegial pieces that there's been shifts in the building and things. And, and the co-teacher I've taught with the last few years, who's been phenomenal, you know, the, their family moved and they moved for COVID reasons to be near, their other family and wish them well and a dearly lost colleague and partner in the work. So, you know. Thank you, Jen. So Carrie, for you with the kinders, you know, just you mentioned earlier that you want them to have that, that seminal school experience. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges that you're grappling with or a challenge, um, a big challenge? Well, um, 
I'm having to teach reading <laughs> workshop this year. So my teammate, Susan McIver, and I, I would do math workshop and she would do reading workshop and we're both having to take it on. So um, she's taking on math and I'm taking on reading. So um, that's a challenge. Um, but I think my biggest thing that I am really trying to figure out is um, building identity because they're new to learning and just really having them feel like I am a reader, I am a mathematician. And then that, from that identity, then having that sense of agency. And I think it's more of a challenge virtually because they have an adult right beside them. And um, that has been a challenge. And I've actually, um, I have um, parent meetings where they stay on Zoom and we have conversation and I get feedback and I've talked to parents about it and it's gotten much, much better. But then we have people that are sharing roles. So then it might be a grandparent one day or somebody else. And so one day I finally just had to actually say, um, Grandma, we really appreciate you taking this time to support learning, but I'm going to have you go in the other room and it's going to be me and the kiddo just for now, just because they couldn't help themselves. <laughs> you know, they you, you want your children to be successful and sometimes they just can't help themselves. So I've had to have some hard talks, um, but um building that identity. And so I've been really trying to figure out, and I think when I, I've thought about, well, how do you do this when you're in the classroom? I feel like in the classroom, it's, it's through their voice, it's voice and choice. And, and um, it's been very hard with kindergartners to feel like I, they can have voice because when they're not muted, they're making noises and they're um, the background noises, not just kindergarten, anybody virtually, the, the TV, people washing dishes, anything that's going on in the house. And then that it gives feedback for others. So it makes it impossible for anybody to hear. So um, I've been trying to push myself and find ways. So I'm playing like with Jamboard and um, I I've, I've found the sticky notes on there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, sticky notes. We love sticky notes in kindergarten. So let's do sticky notes virtually. Of course, why not? And so we're playing with that. And I'm playing with um, getting them to where they can record themselves. So then they're not even having to have somebody type for them. Um, I'm I'm having them do a lot of um, Seesaw is a tool that I'm not using for activities. Very seldom. It's for sharing um, so that they feel like their voice is heard every time. So they will take photos of the work where it's up close so that we can see it up close. And then they will record themselves telling their thinking as mathematicians. They're having to explain how they know and talk through their problem solving. Um, so it gives me a great way to be able to hear them up close. But then if they want to, they can share it to the blog that we've started. And if they share it to the blog, then they can view each other's and they can hear each other. So we still have sharing as a whole group, but it takes so much time. Not many are able to share because muting and unmuting is very time intensive for them still. Um, so it's just those it's those challenges. I just want them to feel like it's theirs. It's their learning. It's their class. It's mm -hmm. their school. And um I, I'm just trying things. I'm going to do an optional virtual field trip this Friday, and I put it optional because I do too worry about screen time. And so the afternoons are lighter, and I do more small groups and um, split it up that way because parents were also worried about screen time. And so I'm doing optional on Friday, an optional virtual field trip, and I told them they can wear pajamas if they want. They can wear whatever they want. We can have popcorn. I told I was going to be laying on my bed with popcorn and do the field trip and we're just going to and see whoever wants to come, you know, just, I don't know, just to try to be connected and to be like, wow, we were learning, but it was fun. And this is cool. Um, stuff you could do when you're in person. Hmm. Uh, so as I'm, oh, yeah, Patrick, jump I, I was just going to say, I think one of the things that, that we, we also have to keep in mind and just listening to you guys talk is that the more 
we can keep this simple, the better. I mean, because a lot of my colleagues are trying, you know, um, this format or or this this platform or this, and that they're muddying that water, you know. So I think one of the things that I've tried to do is to keep the platform simple. I mean, I'm using, you know, Google Classroom. I'm using, uh, you know, the the accessibility on it, but I'm not, um, I'm not going to bring in more than I think that these kids can handle. And I think it probably is different, Jen, you know, with older kids or, but, you know, Carrie, when we're working with these primary kids, the more simple we can keep the rituals and routines and the, the, the format that they're using, the platform that they're using, I think that's an important thing to keep in mind too. Um, because we're always looking for something um, bigger and better and fancier. Right. And I, and I think that that's, that's, that's an interesting thing to think about. I'm also thinking, and I'm sorry, I'm jumping in, Michelle. I'm also thinking about the fact that we have to, um, keep our um our work our you know what we're doing grounded in what it is kids at this age should be doing developmentally because i you know we we tried a um a more canned curriculum it didn't work <laughs> it it was too much it was too involved the software didn't work so i just you know think that we have to take that step back and say, okay, what do we do when we're planning a study of, and how can we bring that to this virtual setting? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know, there used to be a horrible cooking show on, I can't ever remember, but she used to always say, when you keep things simple, you can't go wrong. Um, I don't know what her name was, but I, I, uh, she used to drive me insane except for that statement. When you, when you keep you. things simple, you can't go wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, I'm reminded of, of, of Shelley Harwain telling us years ago to look at things through that lens of authenticity. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know what the authentic is in a virtual setting, but if we can figure that out, isn't that cool? Isn't that, isn't, isn't that the coolest thing that we can do for these kids that are living in a situation that we never Ever in 35 years of my teaching, I thought I would have to, to see, you know, you said it so well, Patrick, you know, it's, it, and it's that like the, the key for me has been prioritization. How do I Mm. prioritize? How do I determine importance? And then when I sit down and I look at like, you know, when I, when I, when I make my list of, from my unit, like here's, okay, here's my learning targets. Now here's my formative assessments. The next question I've learned to ask myself is, what medium is going to be the best, simplest way for kids to access this mm-hmm. for me to get feedback? It has to kind of, you know, me to get feedback and me to give them feedback. And sometimes it's a discussion post on my platform, which is Schoology. You know, sometimes it's, a, they have their medium response log. It's only once a week. I don't make them do it every day. And it's just a log. It's a chart. Now I had to teach them how to like put the extra row into the table. <laughs> you know, that actually became a very complicated thing, but we taught that we moved on and now we know how to add a row to a table three different ways and we can keep our log going, right? Like, so everything does take longer, which is why the prioritization has to, and the simplification and just that really intentional choice of what platform works. You know, even the blog I wrote, Michelle, about how I used Pear Deck last year, I started off using Pear Deck for running each of my classes. And there was just, you know, two to three kids that just couldn't access it every class. And I thought, nope, that's not equitable access. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. So I threw that out the water and I said, I'll still use Pear Deck asynchronously now because it's a great way for kids to share their thinking with me. And I, I love, um, and they know it because lots of teachers are using it now. So last year it was not true, but, um, I won't run my classes on it synchronously anymore because I I have to have equitable access for all kids. Mm -hmm. So it's just continuing to say, okay, I've got, here's my bucket, Jamboard a little bit, Pear Deck sometimes, but it's all going to depend on the purpose of the assessment for them and me. Mm -hmm. So, Carrie, what are you thinking? Well, I, I really appreciate hearing Patrick say that because I need to keep being reminded it. 
because that's what I've been trying to do is less is more, um, simpler is better <clears throat> as far as in the tech world. Um, and, um, but, and, and, I, and I've been trying to think about it too, because in the early grades, it's very easy, even when you're in the classroom to fall into doing things because it's really cute. Well, what's the purpose, right? And it's been the same thing within the virtual world is, oh my gosh, did you see what they had? Like, it's really pretty. It's really cool. It's really techo, techno savvy. You know what I mean? Like, um, and it, I see what other teachers are doing and they'll start telling me and I'll be like, oh, starting to panic. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. And, and it's like, no, I am. And so it's going back to what's the purpose. Mm-hmm. What's the purpose. And, um, it's not about being cute. It's not about being pretty. It's not about being, um, I'm not, the technology is a tool. It's a resource. It's not what I'm teaching. And so that's what I have to keep pulling back to. So when you said that, Patrick, it it is, it like, I'm going to, it's just something you have to keep replaying in your mind because it's very easy to fall into that rabbit hole. Right. So as we're coming to the end of our conversation this afternoon, I have been taking pages and pages of notes. And I know that this type of a conversation just generates so many ideas. It helps clarify thinking. It really, I think, bolsters up beliefs and teachers and leaders' sense of agency. It's like, oh, that's right. That is what's most important, or that is what matters for kids, or oh my gosh, that person just named a challenge that I'm feeling too. And now I know I'm not alone in this work. And so as we wrap up today, I would love for each of you to share one of your hopes for the 2021 school year. Personally, professionally, for your students, just one of what's one of those hopes that you hold in your heart? I'll go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I, I, my, I'm, it kept coming to me is um, my first hope is to stay healthy as I go back into the classroom um, and my family. So my kids and I go to three different schools. So we're, we're about to be in three different, you know, exposed places. So just, you know, that's my first hope. Um, uh, and also the stamina to sustain. So it's been a lot of just recognizing the fatigue when it comes and taking the deep breath. Uh, because this this is a long haul, and um, and I can do it. I just have to keep going back to what matters most, which is relationships and engagement, and which tools, like we were just talking about, facilitate that. You know, um, and then I think just for kids, like my greatest hope is that they see themselves as readers and thinkers, and they they connect to each other. You know, they're, they're willing to just read, think, and talk. So. For me, God, Jen, you're so smart. For me, I, um, I want kids to be happy, number one. I want them to leave this place with a heart that's full and a head that's full and hope that's full. But I... I also want to make sure that in this process, I keep evaluating my own sense of agency and my own identity because it's a different identity. I mean, as lab hosts, we're not having people come in and watch us teach and look at our beautiful rooms and look at our books and hear us talk to kids. And and when we have worked so hard to do what's best for kids, And then we've helped other people learn to do the things that we know kids are capable of intellectually. Um, I want to just make sure that I'm not losing my own identity of, of who I am as a wise, thoughtful, 
funny, kind educator. Um, my hopes are um, for, for, for the kindergartners, um, in person, virtually, it doesn't matter. I want them to leave filled with curiosity, mm. um, filled with um, just that sense of wonder of the world. Um, I want them to leave me with kind, thoughtful hearts. Um, I want them to be problem solvers, <laughs> um, no matter what it is. And um, more than anything, I want them to be able to find joy through the day and joy in learning. And for myself, that's, that's my challenge as an empty nester now and being by myself and I've got my two dogs is each day after I'm done teaching, I go for my walk and I find things that bring me joy. What brought me joy today? And um, there's so much dark right now, but there's still so much joy that is coming out of it. And I think one of the biggest things that this has taught me so far is the resiliency of children. I mean, the way that these little ones are coming on and just their smiles and they make me laugh. Mm -hmm. um, seeing a tongue on the screen while I'm teaching, just I'll just lose it. Or, you know, just things that they don't realize that you see them. And then we talk about it and laugh and then they laugh and, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. Well, I just feel so honored and humbled to be a part of this conversation today. You three are thought leaders in your classrooms, you're, whether they're a brick and mortar classroom or a virtual classroom, and you have so many gifts and so much wisdom and experience to offer others. So I just have the deepest appreciation for each of you and for the very, very, very hard work that you're doing every day for children. So thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much. And Patrick and Carrie, so great to just hear about your classrooms and to reflect with you. Really mm -hmm. gave me energy today. Right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah. I, I was very good to have these conversations with you guys. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. We hope our time together provided inspiration and information. Our nonprofit is able to provide free content for educators because of support from generous donors. If you would like to sponsor this podcast or make a donation, please visit our website at pebc.org. The PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado, and works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding, as described in Phenomenal Teaching by Wendy Ward-Hoffer. We offer customized virtual and on-site professional development, coaching, institutes, and courses. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org. Thank you.